0: Hello, and welcome to the Four Colour Nerds Cut the Cord podcast, episode 18. I'm Alistair, and I'm joined by some other streaming media nerds. Ryan. Hello. And Hannah. Hello. Together, we take on television for those who have cast off the tyranny of their local cable provider. Robber, <laughs> ra Each week, we gather here in the Moonlit Glade to find a great show to watch from the often overwhelming variety of shows to choose from.
1: Pretty good Wi-Fi in that Moonlit Glade.
0: (laughs) Listen, Glasswalkers have the power. We review the prior week's selection, then pick a new show and do it all over again in some never-ending cycle of watching and reviewing. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. Spoiler alert. Awesome show! This week's show is Netflix's The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Damn it! Season one. (laughs) Our companion song is Unbreakable by the Gregory Brothers. (laughs) Unbreakable! uh you know uh oh. fascinating transition
1: Damn it. i think that is one of the great themes of television history i think it's yeah. easily i would say the top five maybe top 10 it joins the ranks of some of the best out there it's catchy and it
2: was incredibly zeitgeisty the gregory brothers did it and they did auto-tune the news That was their thing.
0: Yes, exactly. It's so good. I absolutely love both the music and the credits to Unbreakable Gimmie Schmidt. And they're actually pictures of the cast, believe it or not.
1: I recognize Ellie Kemper in the... The baby
0: that falls over is...
1: Jane Krakowski.
0: Jane, if you're listening, (laughs) you haven't aged a day. She's aged well. She has, does not she? What a beauty. She's
2: had some great work done.
0: If you can't tell, then it's not work, is it?
2: Good. <laughs> they start at like 35. Swear to God. They start, they go a little bit at
0: 35. Yeah,
1: there's
2: a lot of pressure to be
1: young and beautiful.
2: And she kind of addresses that in her role, which is awesome. So anyway, you should read who's in it.
0: I will continue reading my script. <laughs> now in the style of uh, William Shatner, Created by Tina Fey and Robert. Carlock. Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Names you will obviously remember and be familiar to you from the 30 Rock series, which was another outstanding television series.
1: Yeah, so good. Love it!
2: I want to go to there.
0: It's starring (laughs) the ridiculously gorgeous Ellie Kemper as the ridiculously naive Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Titus Burgess, a master performer as Titus Andromedon. Carol Kane, who you'll remember from the Adams family and other such things, as Lillian Kaustrupper.
1: You might recognize her from Taxi if you're really old, or The Princess uh, Bride.
0: Yeah, she was in Taxi. Princess Bride, the witch, yes.
1: I'm not a witch, I'm your wife!
0: <laughs> that was her. The lovely Jane Krakowski as Jacqueline White. John Hamm, playing a, a fantastic role of the Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne. <laughs> And Qi Hong Lee as Dong Nguyen. Nguyen. This show has been nominated for 11 Emmys. 11! That's double digits, folks. That's a lot of Emmys. In two
2: years, yeah. And it's a streaming, like, it's a Netflix exclusive. It's a big deal. It's a big
0: damn deal for a netflix show so let's talk about the plot the big thing is kimmy schmidt along with three other women are trapped uh, captured and kidnapped and underground in a parody of many capture situations for 15 years by john ham's reverend richard wayne gary wayne <laughs> I love saying the name, it's very funny. It's very
2: evocative of the type of man who kidnaps a bunch of women and keeps them in an underground bunker.
0: One of the first things that comes out is, yes, there was weird sex stuff, but it's not what you think, it's never what you think. And I think that's part of what makes this show great. It's never what you immediately think is being correct. Anyway, Kimmy Schmidt is released from the underground bunker after the Reverend is caught arguing with a pizza delivery guy. Yes. That's right. And they go to a new show in New York and talk about their lives as the Indiana mole women. (laughs) And on their way back to the airport to fly back to Indiana, Kimmy Schmidt asked to be dropped off. And it really is country mouse, city mouse. Yes. In its heart. The show progresses with many, many amusing situations involving her new roommate, Titus Andromedon, her new employer, Jacqueline White, and her family. It is an absolute cracking show. I I (sighs) absolutely loved it. It
1: is so funny.
0: I will tell you, I stopped watching the first episode of this and I thought, nah, this is crap. This isn't for me. <sighs> but I'm really glad I was told to persevere with it, because, oh my goodness. hmm Seriously.
1: Especially after a lot of the shows we've been watching have been pretty dark and serious, and this is a breath of fresh air of optimism and joy. Life is hard in the show, but Kimmy meets it head on.
0: With a smile.
1: Effervescent. Like, always. It's amazing. Super upbeat and charming and awkward.
2: It was kind of rubbing me the wrong way because I watched it when it was first released and was like, oh my God. And then this is my rewatch. And I just kind of petered off toward the end and started watching a war show, actually.
0: So Alistair would be excited about Mm. that. No, no, stick to the topic, stick to the topic. She's
2: very colorful also. Yes. If you ever go to New York or a big city like that, maybe not LA, but New York, don't wear bright colors because everyone will know that you don't belong there.
1: <laughs> she has the fashion sense of a 12-year-old child from the 90s. So everything's bright and neon, and she's got her Jansport backpack. Her and-
2: palette is a little bit better than that. It's not neon, but maybe only because she can't find neon clothes. <laughs> Head cannon accepted.
0: She's wandering around in this bright flowery. She likes yellow.
2: Yellow and pink.
0: Bright reds. It's a real visual treat. She looks like a walking sweetie, you know.
2: Oh, she looks like candy. That's right. You know what? I bet Reverend Richard Wayne,
1: Gary Wayne, thought that when he kidnapped her from her front yard. <laughs> I have not quite worked through my feelings on the fact that I have the biggest TV crush on
0: her. You and me both, mate.
1: She's adorkable, (laughs) but I don't feel right about it.
0: She's so lovely. I love the show so much that I have not only finished season one, but I have also finished season two, and I've made a good start on season three. It's incredible.
1: When I first watched it, I watched all of season one in one long sitting. Same. Same with season two. I haven't tackled season three yet, because I had to go back and watch season one for this, but it's on the list and it will get watched. It's interesting, too, that this show is both very critically popular and popular with fans, and originally, Tina Fey took this show to NBC. You'd think, you know, I just had one of the most popular comedy shows for you, Yeah. I'm bringing you a new comedy show that they would pick it up, but they did not pick this up, and then she ended up taking it to Netflix.
2: Which was your loss, NBC.
1: You missed
0: a good one there.
2: I mean, I gotta say, they make a huge joke out of what's essentially Every woman's second worst nightmare. <laughs> like the first being, of course, being horribly, brutally murdered. But the second one is being Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne, snatched up by a guy with multiple first names. Second worst nightmare being trapped in someone's basement. It's like every year or two, some women get freed from some dungeon.
1: I grew up in Antioch, California. There was a very famous, this almost exact situation happened there. The house where it happened. My friend and I, while we were in junior high, the same age as the girl, walked past that house every single day. Oh my god. I shit you not, my friend's sister was the exact same age as that girl who was kidnapped. J.C. Duggar. They do confront that. Kimmy acknowledges the world is dark and dangerous. When Titus tries to tell her to leave New York, she says, nothing can hurt me. The worst thing that ever happened to me in my entire life
0: has already happened.
1: It happened to me in my front yard. And life beats you down.
2: You can either curl up and die, or you can stand up and say, We are different! We're the strong ones and you can't break us!
1: And she is determined, and her unbreakableness is endearing.
0: Yes, it yeah. is. And the way she like infects other people with her cheery, goofy naivete. Yeah.
1: It's like she makes you wear her rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And you're
0: happy to do it.
1: When we're talking about the cult here, it's really interesting how they show the preacher how he tears down their self-confidence. Like, they sing their... Christmas Apocalypse song and the world ended because we're dumb and he just constantly attacks that self-worth and Kimmy cannot have her self-worth taken away from her and I think that's very admirable yeah
2: yeah she was always the defiant one and the one that was pushing back and asking questions and stuff and she didn't let him beat her
0: we discover in, in a later season that he actually wrote a poem about how much he hates her. Oh, God!
1: <laughs> There's also a part that I thought was kind of funny and spoke to a pretty deep little truth here about Assumption. One of the women who was kidnapped was a maid, a Hispanic maid, older Yes, maids. <laughs> who was lured there. And in the interview, Matt Lauer on the Today Show is interviewing them. And he says, oh, you know, you were in the bunker for 15 years and you never learned to speak English. And her response in Spanish is, these bitches never learned to speak Spanish. Spanish in 15 years. Yeah. I'm like, oh, nice little assumption there that you should be the one to. Doesn't she actually speak English? Oh, no? yeah.
0: This is, this is revealed.
2: She was just like, I didn't want to talk <laughs> to them.
0: <laughs> a bunch of kids. And she was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I love it. It's very clever. There's a trial in season one. Oh, yeah.
1: I did not like that part very much, actually.
2: I loved Tina Fey in that trial because it's so O.J.
1: Simpson. She's totally making fun of Marsha Clark. That's why I felt it veered into SNL sketch territory. Yeah, and I didn't feel it was as strong. They dragged the joke out, which was, should have been like an SNL sketch for, you know, maybe five minutes or so. And they dragged Oh, God, it out for... we
2: need to make a filler because we have an hour of television to do every week. Like, you didn't have to do that, Tina Fey. It's OK. You're not on SNL anymore. You can cut it down.
0: I think that the trial scene really highlights the scenes, rather, really highlights the level of the show where it portrays the the people of Durnsville, where all this crime happened, as being very, very, very gullible and oh, very yes. stupid. As Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne just runs amok in the courtroom and fills in his own question narrative. It's a beautiful, beautiful bit of uh, writing there. Very, very, very silly. And there's a lot of times, and it's not just in that scene not in the courtroom but generally speaking was finding myself going oh my god what the hell but it's not as yeah. bad as some of those other scenes that you come across in other tv series which i have spoken about which is this is completely unbelievable why were we doing this it's still well written and none of the characters really do anything which you really want to slap them for
1: at least that you're not supposed to feel like you want to slap them Yeah. Nothing plays with the wrong note. Exactly. I wouldn't go that far. I
2: really wanted to slap Jacqueline White a couple times.
1: Oh. (laughs) You're
2: supposed to feel
1: that way about her, though.
2: When Jane Krakowski goes into the red face thing, (laughs) that... Threw me for a huge loop when I was watching it. I was just sitting there like, "This isn't okay." Like Tina Fey, you're doing the racism thing again, and you think you're being so edgy. And she's notorious for being. People are so offended, and they're gonna kill comedy. And it's boring.
1: She's right. <sighs> I don't know. Here's the thing. Comedy that punches down is harmful and generally not very funny. Like it's built on a mean spirit. I don't feel like this show is built on that basis.
2: I think it punches down in a couple places. I don't think it intends to punch down, but it ended up doing it.
0: I never felt that the show really was being unkind in anything it did. I think it's self-aware enough that you know that Jane Krakowski isn't playing a Native American or a First People Lakota Sioux. I never really feel that that is done in such a way as it's deliberately being offensive.
1: I feel it's in the same tone as Tropic Thunder.
0: Yes! That's exactly... Uh, okay, so just before we started recording, I was looking at pictures and I saw one of Robert Downey Jr. playing the sergeant or whatever yeah it's uh, an american playing an australian actor doing blackface a-
2: but that's making fun of people who do blackface do you want to see something poking it passing as white or multi-ethnicity kind of thing like watch dear white people like that, the movie was great i haven't seen the show it's supposed to be great it's just kind of the
1: directionality of that it made me uncomfortable I felt it was ridiculous and self-aware and commenting on the monolithic culture that they're viewed as. felt that it had artistic merit.
0: I would agree with Ryan in that case. Because...
1: The white men agree. Not offensive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn it, Ryan. Why did <laughs> you put that?
2: Oh, man. You said it before I could.
1: <laughs> I'm aware of my biases
0: <laughs> and preconceptions. Well...
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we all approach the world from somewhere, and I approach it from... Sure.
0: I would also, in some ways, turn it on its head by saying the Native Americans who actually perform as actors in this show are talking about their culture absolutely normally, and about their everyday lives. To them, she's being the weirdo. Mm Mm-hmm because she doesn't fit in with them and their culture. So I think the Native Americans who are appearing in the show appear as everyday normal people doing what they do in their lives.
2: I love the line where that guy was like, the garbage makes me cry <laughs> when he didn't
1: want to be in New York. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. I think the difference is, in general, they're the almost like the straight man to the comedy routine. They're not the butt mm-hmm. of the joke. Jane Krasowski is the butt of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes the difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can see the intent. I just, I think the execution of it ended up stepping on some people's toes.
1: One thing I did like about the show, and I think this is similar to what made Seinfeld so strong, is all of the supporting cast is given their own plot lines. They get some of the yes. best jokes. They're fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt doesn't need every great scene. Titus has amazing scenes.
2: Carol Kane is, oh my god. It's hilarious.
0: <laughs> She's great. And she gets into all sorts of trouble later on in later series as well. Oh yes. Amazing. Zenthippi,
2: <laughs> the teenage girl that Ellie Kemper is pitted against.
1: She reminded me a lot of Winona Ryder and needlejuice
0: Yes! Oh my yeah. god, I didn't even thought of that. She's a dead yeah. ringer, isn't she?
1: Yeah, and, and attitude and looks.
2: She's just such a young... They're not millennials because they're not officially... But you know, that generation. She's just such a caricature of that. But at the same time, she's so sweet. And I love it. And she has depth. She has a lot of depth, yeah. She made me laugh a lot. And I do want to give some props to having Dong Win as a love interest. An Asian man as a love interest for the white female lead is not really a thing that happens
0: true perhaps my blinkered life is so blinkered i don't even notice it didn't strike me as unusual or like huh he's asian isn't that weird i didn't even notice that it just
2: seemed really natural and then it was like a couple episodes into that arc that i was like oh wait
1: in american culture and the way that deals with stereotypes if you're not an asian martial artist as a man (sighs) you are not sexually desirable that's just kind of the way it's presented He's
0: a good looking guy. Yeah,
1: he is, yeah. I, don't, I
0: don't understand.
1: They're a great TV couple, you know, they're star-crossed lovers.
0: No, it'd be ice-crossed lovers, I suppose, it'd be more uh, accurate. Where Kimmy's
1: boyfriend calls ice on
2: them, <laughs> the restaurant, and he goes on the run for a while. Oh man, that guy was shitty. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: People do that, that's the thing that people do, they just did that in the Texas legislature.
1: Actually, I wanted to ask you, Hannah, about sort of ways mm-hmm. that people deal with these traumatic events that have happened to her. Because you see lots of different reactions from women, some of them who buy into mm-hmm. it. And Kimmy has this very strong, her primary desire is to be normal, at least to be perceived as normal. Yeah. And not be seen first as a victim. That really drives her, and I just wondered if you had anything to say about that
2: I come at this both as a professional who deals with survivors as we say in the nomenclature as survivors and as a survivor of trauma myself there's just that desire of I just don't want this to change me to shape me there's a movement from I'm a victim and this was horrible and then there's like this phase of I'm going to push everything down and I'm not going to look at this. I'm just going to push it down and I'm going to go on and some people, you know, it's very survival mode. Some people just keep going like that for the rest of their lives. But then you start to integrate the trauma and confronted and i mean that's what kimmy does literally during the trial so i think that arc is really good and well played and then other people's reactions to her is like kind of putting her on this weird pedestal or further othering her and alienating her i mean they call her a mole woman
0: (laughs) they actually say i don't actually like that term, mole woman (laughs) (laughs) they say it again anyway
2: (laughs) she's trying to take back some agency yet people are still like denying it and then in the trial they have her word against Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne and they're just like totally buying into his shit (laughs) Um, and she's just like this is what happened and he does his narcissistic antisocial personality disorder warping that people do it was really frustrating to watch those scenes because I'm like this is a huge parody of how
0: sexual
1: assault trials play out
0: oh god yes
1: yes i want to talk a little bit about titus to me titus is one of the best Mm -hmm. supporting characters in a tv show in a long time (laughs) i love the musical numbers that he has how over the top he is the one thing i did think he seems like a very exaggerated gay stereotype but i think that's part of maybe the point they're trying to make i'm not sure what if you guys had any thoughts on that.
0: Titus, Titus, Titus. He annoys the crap out of me sometimes because he's so self-centered.
2: Well, he's so self-centered.
0: He's a little busted is what he is. But yeah. there are times when he turns around and just does the most unbelievably kind-hearted stuff. I think, Ryan, yeah. I think you're right. He's ticket it to the nth degree.
2: Wouldn't we call that camp across the pond?
0: He's extremely
1: I'm not sure if it's this season or season two because they blend a little bit together in my head, but they have kind of the counterpoint to him with his boyfriend who's a construction worker who has a hard time with the sort of the gay identity that he doesn't have those yeah. traits in
2: particular. Mike. That's a struggle. Yeah, I was annoyed by Titus, but I was supposed yes. to be
1: annoyed by him. But his musical routine for Pinot Noir is one of the greatest... <laughs> <laughs> moments in <laughs> television history i would say Be no new yeah you
2: get that stuck in your head and i missed the part where it was an ode to black penis so i've been running around singing this song
0: <laughs> jokes on me any of you listener you listener over there yes you are you a Beyonce fan because Titus is a Beyonce fan he is if you like Beyonce you'll love Titus because they make so many videos and they're they're great parodies and you can look at these on YouTube and they won't detract from the TV series if you don't want to watch it Or just look up Titus Andromedon and look up him on YouTube as well as some of the videos they do because they I mean I don't know them all and I'm not a Beyonce fan but I can totally appreciate their version of lemonade
2: the other thing i love about titus and Drew was the whole arc bit where he was a werewolf <laughs> and then he didn't want to take the makeup off because the alternative was being a black man that is like commentary. Um, that he's treated better as a werewolf? Yes, he's treated better as a literal werewolf than as a black man. Like, wow. And then when the white people are trying to gentrify the area, he comes up and his werewolf makeup starts falling off, and they're like, Ah, black man! This is not such a good neighborhood! And they leave. Titus, you just saved the neighborhood! <laughs>
0: Lillian Kaustupa, I can't pronounce the surname properly, but. Which
2: means cow fucker <laughs> in Yiddish.
0: <laughs> Lillian, as we will refer to her from now on, I'm sure, is their landlady. Yes. And also their sort of flatmate. Because she lives above them, and the building's in such bad repair, she can see through the floors and see what they're up to. But she's constantly going round there and like, interfering with what they're doing. So they're, she's much more of a friend. Yes. Yeah. She is the most ornery woman, and she likes having her neighbourhood be an utter dive. With meth addicts walking around with dot matrix printers.
2: Well, because she's on meth. Is she? Yes. Lots of references to her. I mean, of course, pot, but like everything. She makes jokes all the time about her drug binges and. She goes
1: on benders all the time.
2: You see her coming back from
1: them often. Lillian does have some interest in the neighborhood, but she is also very manipulative and self-interested as well, which I think is, you know, this world in New York that Kimmy gets to adapt to and live in with all these self-interested people and she brings out their better natures. Yeah, she does.
2: Yeah, I think the only other person who isn't as self-interested is Dong Nguyen, her boyfriend. He's so sweet. He sacrifices a lot. Kimmy does not actually mean penis in Vietnamese, you guys. (laughs) I hate to break
1: it to you. It's just such a play on ha ha ha. This Asian name means penis. It reminds me of the people who get the tattoo with the Chinese symbol. Either they don't know
0: what it means. Pink <laughs> <Bean> curd. <laughs> I got one to match (laughs) so just so you understand we're not making in jokes here one of the aspects of the show is Kimmy is visited by one of the other mole women of Indiana who brings her boyfriend who is the chap that she went to school with and sort of fantasized about and fancied
2: her middle school crush so turn your eye back towards your middle school crushes people and
0: Yes, turns out that he's actually gay.
2: (laughs) They get matching tattoos and she literally picked it out of a menu and it means bean curd and then he gets the English tattoo on his wrist.
0: There is a lot more to this this show. And we could spend another probably 45 minutes to an hour talking about the other people in this show. Oh, uh, yeah. Every story continues on the last one, and it's just a lot of really good jokes, a lot of very amusing acting, a lot of very funny situations which are given the yes and twist. To try and describe it all would just be like take a long and time. And
1: we're not as funny
2: as him, so. No, we're really not.
0: Speak for yourself, I'm bloody hilarious. I would give it this show, which I picked Five Damn it. <laughs>
2: Damn it, it's a miracle. <laughs> Females so are strong, strong as hell. Hail. <laughs> I'm going to give it. Can't decide which one. I'm going to give it three dick jokes
1: out of five. I will give it five. That's going to be a fascinating transition.
0: Making your way in the world today <laughs> takes everything you've got.
1: Taking a break from all your worries. Sure would help a lot.
0: Wouldn't you like to get away each and every week? For weeks now, we've been sitting here bringing a show to consider watching.
1: <laughs> can't find your way out of the Moonlight Glade. Okay. This
0: bloody glade is bewitched. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys need to stop
2: stepping the fairy queen that has us trapped
0: listen hey don't you judge me no, don't judge me either you know
2: <laughs> she's very sexy but you
1: guys
0: i'm never gonna stop so guess we're gonna be watching shows till the end of time hey, it could be worse it could be on fire
1: don't tempt the fairies yeah <laughs> yeah don't
0: we each vote for a show and we cannot vote for our own show the show with the most votes is our next show to watch and review.
2: I'm going to nominate Anne with an E because we've been watching a lot of really dark shit before this week and Anne of Green Gables is the original Kimmy Schmidt, (laughs) y'all. And she is a brightly little redheaded orphan and she steals everyone's heart and she has a huge imagination and I read all the books when I was a little girl and I was just as dramatic and over the top as she was and I really want to watch this show. I haven't even seen it yet but everybody says it's amazing.
0: I would like to nominate War Machine. I hope it's as close excited. War Machine is a comedy drama war story. Ooh, Brad Pitt. Damn it, you thunder stealer.
2: Sorry. I just pulled it up and I was like, who is that scowling
1: blonde man? (laughs) He seems quite handsome. Starring
0: (laughs) the well-known and truly interesting Bradley Pitterstam. In this case, he's playing a four-star general (laughs) called General McMahon in his role to win the war.
1: This is based on a true story. Oh, it is.
0: In his role to win the war in Afghanistan, which is impossible, but that's what he wants to do.
1: There was a book written that was kind of like an expose on him that. Revealed he was sharing secrets with his lover that brought him down. Oh!
2: He's Stanley McChrystal.
0: So it's entirely appropriate for things that are happening today, for example. <laughs> Right Right now.
2: now, in the White
1: House, 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 house.
0: Consider it a strong contender for next week's show.
1: We watched a Netflix show that was nominated for 11 Emmys. I think we should watch the Netflix comedy that won the first Emmy that a streaming show won, which is Master of None. It is amazing. It's hilarious. It's N.Z. Cesari's show. It deals with his life as a second generation Indian American. His actual parents play his parents on the show. Talks about his struggles with acting, trying to get roles beyond Taxi Driver or Computer Hacker. That there's very limited choices for him. And it's a very touching romantic comedy that has very real relationships moments. It's a really funny show. It's heartwarming. It's touching. So i say Master of None. I'm going to vote for War Machine.
0: I'm going to vote for Annie with an i
1: I've never read Anne of Green Gables. I have zero interest in Anne of Green Gables. But I feel like one thing with this show, I mean our show, is finding things you may not naturally be interested in and finding that they're either good or why, in fact, you're not interested in them. So I'm going to go with Anne with an E. We wade into the field of battle with these shows so others can see our example.
2: You know, I have sat through some shows and then I ended up missing an episode and I didn't even get to review that
1: episode. Consider this me paying you back, Hannah, for you having to watch Shadowhunters Ugh. and then not getting to actually review the show. Okay.
0: So that was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Season 1. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans including our other podcast. I swear to God I will pistol whip the next Go to shenanigans for 4 Nerds Comic Book Reviews at 4 or our Facebook page. Mm. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music.
1: On Stitcher.
2: On SoundCloud.
0: And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate. Review.
2: And subscribe.
0: Be sure to come back next week for another episode of our podcast. Until that long-awaited day, mark it in your calendars, tell your friends, and keep streaming, nerds! Pina Caviar, Myanmar, mid-sized car You don't have to be popular, find out who your true friends are